0: Raced away in the Cox plate. Diatribe and Referral are running onto the placings, followed by Testa Rossa and then Skizzy Please. But the champion mare is going to kill them. She's five in front Sunline and a piece of racing history back to back Cox plates for the champion mare, Sunline. She's won it by six lengths easily. Fado the miners, Diatribe or
1: Referral. Just an incredible story, the Sunline story, and we're going to catch up with the breeder. Of Sunline, and the reason I was thinking about Sunline is on the back of our chat with Larry Cassidy. Of course, Larry may not ride again; he may become a steward, all to do with his hand injury uh, following a fall at track work. uh, The latter part of last year, Larry Cassidy, and of course, the first time he jumped on board Sunline was in that uh, T Rose. In fact, it was in the Furious Stakes on a heavy ten. It's the first time we saw her at Australia. And, of course, she won by six, and the rest is history. But she retired with 32 wins from 48 starts. So 32 wins, nine seconds, three-thirds, 11.5 million thereabouts by Desert Sun from Song Line. And Susan Archer and her partner, Michael Martin, bred this mare, as I mentioned, and Susan Archer is with us. How are you, Susan?
0: Good morning, Steve. Lovely to talk with you You... and uh, brings back great memories hearing that. Cox plate.
1: Your, uh, your voice fantastic. brings back mate great memories to a lot of our listeners as well because you were a regular on this program with Michael Maxworthy for many years with your breeding That's right. segment. It
0: was. I really enjoyed that. Happy memories.
1: Absolutely. Take me back. Did you buy the grand dam of Sunline, did you, at a sale? Is this how it all started?
0: It, it's a real family story. My husband, Michael Martin, and I uh, certainly bred Sunline, but my parents Robin and Muriel Archer bought her granddad McAngus named after an old mate of my dad's. Uh, they bought her as a yearling at the national yearling sales here in New Zealand in 1981 for $12,000 and raced her in Southland she was trained in, in Gore at the bottom of New Zealand where I come from and uh, pretty close to where I live now in fact and um, Uh, She had a lot of ability, but she loved rock-hard tracks, and uh, she happened to get a a three-year-old year year full of wet tracks, so she was eight times stakes place, but she won two races at Rickerton and in Christchurch and at Trenton, uh, which took a bit of doing in those days. It was very competitive, so she was pretty talented, but just wasn't able to probably fulfil all of her ability. But she had a fantastic will to win. And I think uh, the granddaughter certainly inherited that. And then Michael and I bred and raced uh, her daughter by Western Symphony Songline. And she won five races and was stakes placed as well. Beautiful filly. Uh, But we always felt she just needed a, you know, as, as you're always looking with a breeder, as a breeder, you're always looking just for that uptick in class. And our dear friend Nairi Fraser, who you might remember uh, trained Westminster and uh, had a bit to do with a, another wonderful horse called Vice Regal, um, we bought a share together with her uh, in a horse called Desert Sun. And Michael and I had bought my parents out of Songline by that stage. And uh, we thought Desert Sun, he had a lot of ability, he was a very good two year old, very fast from the Green Desert Sire Line, of course. And we thought that'll do. So uh, we sent her there and, um, you know, the chromosomes split and recombined and created a horse in a million.
1: What was he standing for at the time, Desert Sun?
0: I think, I think, uh, I'm t- we had a share in him, so we didn't pay a fee, but I think it was something like five, five grand. Five grand. Like that. He was standing at Raora, actually, and uh, It was Peter Keating who uh, talked to us about buying into him and uh, persuaded us it would be a good idea. So, yeah, a whole lot of people sort of feed into the into the mix and it brings back a lot of memories, things that that change your life really. She had a beautiful colt by Westminster and we were going to sell him in Melbourne, and race the filly. That was what we were going to do. But I remember we, Michael and I were living in Tasmania. Michael was the chief executive of uh, Tasmanian Racing at that time. We had a wonderful five years in Tasmania. We came home uh, and the filly was a foal and uh, the colt was a yearling. And We had a look at the colt and Michael said, I don't like the look of his neck. He's, he's too long in the neck. I think we need to get him scoped because scopes were just beginning to come in at that stage. And we didn't want to take him to Melbourne and have him scoped. And he was Aurora. He had a terrible wind deflection and um, we just couldn't do anything. Uh, we weren't able to sell him and uh, he was put down at the time and we didn't have insurance on him. So we weren't able to keep the selling You know, that's one of the things that, that held us up. So a twist of fate.
1: Absolutely. So she was the second foal, was she, Sunlight? Yes,
0: she was. Yes, she was. Yes, mm. yes, she was the second foal. So we we saw her for the first time as about a three month old foal, and we absolutely loved her. Uh, she was she was stunning. Actually, I showed her that fo- the foal photo we took at the time to my uh, Arrowfield colleague John Freer some years ago, and I remember he just he just said, "Oh, any day, all day, that's that's an outstanding foal," and she was she was quite extraordinary. But she um, she was difficult too, you know, because she was stroppy. So we actually uh, had her, we kept her through to yearling stage, and we didn't put her in a sale because we knew we we probably wouldn't get any money for her. You know, um, New Zealand racing was was struggling at the time, and in fact struggled for a long time until very recently. And so uh, we had her broken in by a wonderful horseman called Tim Welch, who did a great job with her. And she was she was tough, you know. She was mentally very, very tough. I love that. We just love that in a filly. And but it does take skill to to handle a horse like that. And he never broke her spirit. He he just educated her. And. a relative of, of Sunlines, uh, he appears in her pedigree, a horse called Interval, similarly very tough horse, and he'd won the Avondale Guineas, he was a very good horse, uh, was trained by Trevor and Stephen McKee, and um, so we approached Stephen and Trevor to see if they would like to lease her, and at that stage in New Zealand, he just couldn't lease a, a filly like that without a right of purchase. So we did the deal, but it took three phone calls to persuade Trevor, and he took her sight unseen.
1: And what was the impression uh, that he got when he got back to you when he when she arrived in his yard so to speak? We
0: really never we never heard from him. We never heard from him. and uh, we found out later that I, I believe she'd actually gone to his B stable until he saw her one morning you know working galloping and said get her over to my stable <laughs> to the a stable and i think trevor particularly because of the experience that he brought to that task he did a fantastic job managing her career he said to me later he felt he'd made one or two mistakes i think racing her when she came back from dubai she came back to sydney and she was beaten he always felt that was a mistake and it probably was but I, i admire what he did with her immensely um, because he never raced her in the summer in New Zealand when the best racing is on, except twice in the Waikato Sprint at the end of the summer. Uh, he was, you know, he, he was never tempted. He he didn't race in Australia past the Cox Plate. I would have loved her to race, um, you know, to have a crack at some of the big races during Melbourne Cup Week because that's, you know, that's holy ground and, and holy for us, you know, those races. But he never did. Very disciplined. And I think it really did help her to put together the career that you've just summarised. I mean, she was out of the money, you know, only four out of the first three, only four times in 48 starts and racing at the highest level for most of it.
1: Yeah. Incredible. Wet, wet or dry, didn't matter. Just back to that. So um, the option to to buy, of course, the lease arrangement. At what point oh. did did Trevor say... Uh, he's going to take a uh, pay, I think it was $40,000, was it yes, at the time? Yes, it
0: was, and that was after the T-Rose. So it was um, it was um, after the, I'm sure it was after the T-Rose before the flight. And, um, you know, there were options they, they perhaps could have explored. They, they could have invited us into the partnership, but...
1: It was there uh, yeah. in black and white, so you couldn't change it, Susan.
0: The, the, the agreement was, was honoured uh, to the letter by us and by them. Yeah, mm. um, You have to remember she did win some breeders bonuses in those first uh, few starts. So, you know, as I've said to people over the years, you know, it's, it's not easy. And we had two children and a mortgage. We were at full stretch in the, in the middle of our lives. And to be able to uh, put a, a, a good chunk of cash onto our mortgage was very helpful at the time. But I, I can't lie either. It was extremely bittersweet, very bittersweet. Oh, it would be, and
1: we often think about it. You know, We all try and put ourselves in your shoes. At the time, because you'd be watching her, thinking, you know, proud in one regard Ooh. that you bred this yeah. remarkable horse, but also that you could have, you know, you had her, you owned her, bred her, you know, at one stage.
0: Yeah. Well, that was, that was the state of the industry as well, you know, and, and we were like many people, many, many, many breeders, victims of that. Really, um, I'm I'm in awe of what New Zealand breeders do, breeding world class horses in a you know in a degrade racing environment. And uh, there's a lot more work to do in New Zealand to get it up to speed. But the breeders, the breeders continue to produce Mm. outstanding horses. And, you know, it's extraordinary. And we're very proud to be part of it. And because by that time, by the time she raced, of course, we were back working for the New Zealand Thoroughbred Breeders Association. I was the media person. Michael was the CEO. So we decided that we had a great opportunity to tell the story of New Zealand breeding, you know, through Sunline. I probably did 150 interviews at the time. And so I think, you know, the way that I dealt with it was I felt that fate, and there were other things that happened as well that denied us the opportunity to raise her, you know, things that didn't come off that should have. And, you know, so I, I believe that our role was to tell her story. Yeah. And Can you I elaborate am. on
1: that, Susan, what you're talking about there? You
0: mean other things that happened? Mm. <laughs> well, we, because we'd actually offered her to two trainers Two other trainers uh, before uh, before stephen and trevor and and one of them and he's told this story so I'm, I'm not speaking out of school and I, I'm, I'm a great admirer of Michael Moroni, but he trained another filly for us um, and uh, called the townie and and she was sixth uh, place I think in Australia useful little mare in South Australia. She broke down and um, we had wanted to, there there had been offers on her and the manager of that syndicate wouldn't sell her. And if if, if they'd sold her, then we would have had had some of that and we would have kept Sunline. (laughs) Uh, But Michael was offered uh, Sunline as well as a yearling and he sent someone else to have a look at her, not his brother, and uh, he didn't like her. So Michael didn't end up with her, you know, and and these are all twists of fate in a story. Mm. Trevor and Stephen and, and her owners were meant to have her and they got her. And our role was to tell her story and, and more than 20 years after her death, or not, not after her death, but after she retired, um, I'm still telling her story, and I'm very proud to do it. Yeah. That's my job.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But you had the mare, I suppose, didn't you? Uh, did you get offers for her, sold
0: <laughs> no, line? no, we sold the mare.
1: <laughs> oh, you sold the mare as well.
0: Yeah, we sold her uh, for, I think, 35000 which was a good price, through the ring, and she was bought by Mr Woolridge in Australia, and I think lived out her life uh, entirely in in Australia. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> we weren't meant to have any of it. Yeah. And I really, honestly, I think that is, that is the only way that I ultimately got through it all was I believe we weren't we weren't meant to our role was was different Mm. and I'm completely fine with it now because I look back and you know the wonderful thing for me is so many young people come up to me and say oh wow Sunline was the was the horse that turned me on to racing you know particularly in Australia Australians have been so full of generous celebration of Sunline's career and you know as time goes on I actually had an argument with Brian Martin, who's a good mate of mine. He was chairman of the Hall of Fame at the time, and you might remember she was the first horse still racing to go into the Hall of Fame, you know, while she was still racing. And I disagree with that. I still disagree with it. I think there should be a five-year moratorium, at least five years, maybe longer. So you get a feel for how that horse sits in history. And some horses disappear a bit, you know. But she hasn't disappeared (laughs) Yeah, I think her record and her aura and her story have only got bigger, and I, I just, i Michael and I just look at each other every so often and say, "Hey, wow, we bred her, and she's amazing, and she's still amazing, and we're so proud of yeah. her." Yeah,
1: you mentioned when the when they decided to purchase was the T Rose. That was after she won five in a row, of course. And, oh, no, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe so, did, what, what point it, did you say? Look at Michael and say, "Oh, hang on, we." we could have let a, you know a, a bit of a freak go was it after her second third fourth start they all she won what's first six in a row didn't she or seven in a row
0: Yeah. oh i think i think after we watched him her first win her debut win at pyra you know we realized that you know this was something special and uh, we saw her win her first stakes race as a late 2 year old at pongorae and that was very special we never saw her race in australia you know, we only saw her, I, I saw her in New Zealand. We saw her win, I saw her win one of her Waikato sprints. And Michael was in Hong Kong to see her win the Hong Kong Mile. And for both of us, I think that was probably her greatest performance because it was, you know, it was so far from home. Uh, it was a very hostile, um, not a hostile crowd, but they had a, you know, a, a huge favourite Fairy King prawn and they expected him to, to roll her. And she just flatly. That reviewed. was one of the
1: greatest races I've ever seen in Hong Kong. And David Raphael's call of that race was brilliant oh, as well. Was a
0: great call. Great. The mayor of the world. I, was, yeah. I just loved that. We might it's go getting, out with yeah. that this
1: morning, Susan. So just it, with Songline, how many other foals did she have then?
0: Look, I, she had a good number of foals and she had fillies that have been bred from I can't remember the number, probably something like nine or ten all up, you know. Yeah. Um and the interesting thing about this family is it has never ever been owned by a major stud, you know back 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 before Farlap because she's descended from a full sister to Farlap and it's one of those families through Farlap, you know champion of the world really an extraordinary horse, and then it disappears again and it threw up a really a great champion in New Zealand. Not a, he didn't race in Australia. Horse called Kindergarten in the nineteen forties and then it disappeared again. And then, then, you know, at the end of the 90s, uh, 50 years later, it comes up with another champion. It, it will do it again, but it's never, ever been invested in or been bought up by a, a major farm. I mean, I, I would have loved... Um, Someone like Patrick Hogan or or John Massara to have ended up with um, uh you know with Songline and um you know just to just to give her the sort of opportunities that that might have kept the family right up there for longer, but it's disappeared. But I tell you, it will produce another very good horse. I have to tell you though, um, with a, a dear friend of of ours, we are actually racing a colt from the family um, out of. Sunline's last daughter, the Hassanay daughter. Um, he's a son of Tavistock and he's he's no great shakes but he's one a race. Sunset? No, Sun and Air. Yes, the mayor was Sunset and the cult Sun and Air, yeah. and, and, the, sun and, air. Yeah. and we're okay. racing him and just a, a small share with them, with very dear friends Henrietta Bedford and Barry Schroeder and um, we're, we're loving it yeah. and uh, that's very sweet and of course Henrietta wanted to breed uh, she owned and raced Tavistock and that was her champion Sunline was, was my champion and so she said uh, she bought Sunset and just got one foal out of it before she died sadly so that's Sun and Air and uh, you know that's that's another lovely little twist of fate that you never yeah. expect
1: Mm. Susan, just a question I wanted to ask you um, Helen Lusty and of course Thane Green were the principal oh, owners of Sunline there, right. uh, did you know them before they became the owners the main owners of her when she was racing No,
0: no, and I think Trevor retained most control over her, I think he may have been the oh, leader okay. as well yep. Yes, but we, I remember when Michael rang uh, Trevor and said look we've got this filly from the family of Interval, that was the hook really And, you know, Trevor um, had always acknowledged us and we didn't know him well, but we obviously respected his his training skills and ability. Um, But we said to him, what about offering her to the owners of Interval, you know, who you've had success with. And, um, you know, they, they would be obvious people to race her with you. And, of course, that was Thane and Helen. So we we had a hand in everyone else having a great time with her and just didn't put ourselves in there. But... Um, You know, uh, we couldn't afford to do it at the time. Yeah, I understand. um, This is all
1: hindsight, isn't it? You know, it's all hindsight.
0: It's very easy. And I have had people who say, oh, you know, what a a pity you'll never read another (laughs) sunline. And I have to say, I tell them, you probably won't either.
1: (laughs) Good on you. Can I just ask you this question? You mentioned, and you're a breeding expert, you're qualified to comment, like Sunline didn't do a lot in the breeding barn. You mentioned Sunset, I remember Sunstrike showed ability, uh, Sunruler, but why all these freakish, outstanding mares through history don't go to be good, a lot of them don't turn out to be great brood mares, Susan?
0: Well, actually, actually, Steve, the stats indicate that the best mares do have a better strike rate, yes, they do. Um, there have been studies on that, and they do. We just tend to sort of remember the the ones that don't. Um, and, I mean, I, I've had, obviously, a little bit to do with Miss Finland, who uh, was a fabulous race mare and left a Group 1 winner in Stay With Me, who is already a stakes producer. And, of course, a, sort of heartbreaking for me this week because we yes, lost, lost
1: one the, of the progeny. Of
0: love. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful filly. We're all heartbroken about that. It was just awful, but um, so they do. we just don't tend to sort of you know we latch onto the ones that don't um I think in Sunline's case you know it's, she only had four folds, and it's it's you know it's hard to get matings right, really um you know it's not easy, and um i think i think trevor would say would have said also he wasn't really a breeder you know breeding and training are sort of different disciplines within the within the sport but the interesting thing is we never saw her as a freak she you know, we saw in her what we had tried to pull out of her sire and her dam and her antecedents. We actually, my parents went back and and bought the grand, you know, bought bought the her great grand dam, Honey Carlisle. And it's actually a if you have a look, you know, before Sunline arrives, the pedigree page was perfectly respectable. You know, uh, good stakes horses. On the page and horses that had won in Australia and you know um, not you know not empty of black type at all so she wasn't totally a freak obviously the level of her ability was way beyond what we dreamed of but um, you know she wasn't we didn't think of her as a freak either and as as i say don't worry the family will produce another one it might take 40 or 50 years but opportunity is a great thing and it, it's truly never really received consistent High class opportunities at stud.
1: Yeah, because we often drag out names, you know, like often, you know, we Sunline's mentioned Empire Rose, Ethereal Maccabi Diva, you know, Let's Alay. Mm. I know um, Mr. Mark's been a fortune on some of those stallions, with Let's Alay. But even Winks, will be fascinating to see uh, what happens here, Susan. Winks. Oh,
0: you know, they, they. I just, you know, repeat the stats show that the the Group One winning mayors do perform at a level above the average um you know they they do we just don't tend to you know to remember them but they do and uh, there are plenty of examples of them doing that so you know i'd be very confident about about winks who was absolutely extraordinary but interesting talking about her and you know i mean she was out of this world, but I went back just as an exercise to see to look at what Sunline would have won, what her prize money would have been oh, did you? those races. Now, <laughs> you know what I got to mm. thirty million. How much? 30, thirty million.
1: Thirty million.
0: Oh, thirty million! And believe me, I think that Trevor might have had a crack with her at the Everest as well.
1: <laughs> well, she was that sort of mare. She could have done anything. We she know was, that
0: she won a manicato. People have forgotten how quick she was. She was unbeaten at fourteen hundred metres. And although she won those two Cox Plates, she wasn't really a middle distance horse. She was a sprinter miler. He said to me one day, he said, uh, "Believe me, if I set her to go over a thousand metres flat tack, you'd be astonished at the time she could do." And you know, so <laughs> I think he would have had a crack at the Everest with her. But thirty million is what she would have won today, winning all those races. Oh, so that dear. puts it in a context, I think. Yeah, that would have made her the greatest earner of all time.
1: Look, I'm I'm a big believer in good karma, and I reckon you're going to get a very good horse <laughs> in the years to come, Susan. And just back to Sunline. Interesting when you look at her career from all those starts. Uh, Forty-eight. There were only three jockeys, I think. Mr. It was Johnson for the in New Zealand. Was that Peter Johnson? Yeah.
0: Yes, that's right. That's right. That's Danielle's dad. Oh, is it? Oh, okay.
1: And that's the partner of, of course, Jamie Richards.
0: Yes, that's right. Right. That's right. Very good jockey. Yeah. So
1: that's Peter Johnson for first four, and then Larry, and then Greg Childs. But no other jockey, was it?
0: You're right. You are right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was a pretty good formula. The other person who was very important was Claire Bird. Of course. She works
1: for Tony Golland in Brisbane here.
0: That's right. Well, she she was very important. She's an outstanding horsewoman. It was no easy task looking after Sunline. And, um, you know, you think of the trips she did, back and forwards across the Tasman. She went to Hong Kong twice. She went to Dubai, all around Australia. And I think she had one minor injury. I could be corrected about that. But I think she hurt her foot before the Thousand Guineas. And that was the only race that she missed in nearly, you know, in... in sort of across, I don't know, 60 months or something, you know, 54 months or whatever it was. That's an incredible testimony to the horsemanship of
1: of Claire Bird. I'm a man of my word. I'm going to play the call. 2000 Hong Kong Mile, David Rafael. Thanks, Susan. It's so interesting to hear the story this morning.
0: And lovely to talk with you again. Thank
1: you. Well, Susan doing some work for Arrowfield. Uh, that's why she was talking about the progeny there of of Miss Finland and chatting, uh, talking about John Massara as well. But here's the call. Sunline given the rein at the 350. slipped two lengths in front. Adam New, Trump sticks on. Here comes Ferry King Braun. It's Sunline in front. Fairy King Braun, the horse of Hong Kong,
0: coming after the mayor of the world. 150 to go. Sunline, a length in front. Fairy King trying to get him, Sunline the Kiwi pulling out, stops Ferry King Prawn left. they come to the line Ferry King Prawn dives, but he missed, Sunline, the Mayor of the World wins it from Ferry
1: King Prawn yeah, Robbie Fratt of course retired he was in Queensland for a long time, he rode the second horse there, and a big margin back to third, of course G Childs in the saddle that particular day, in a wonderful race, the Hong Kong Mile